The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. just gonna go and say it if you're you know you're still with us episode 12 you're in it for the long haul now yeah you're pretty much committed and you can't get off so i just want to say that all of us here at big fiction energy and really everybody at the professional casual network of podcasts we appreciate you we sure do we do appreciate you yeah and because you've committed to us Anytime your significant other tells you that you fear commitment or lack commitment, you can throw that right in their face and say, no, I listened to this podcast all the way from the beginning when they were huddled around a Chromebook recording (laughs) on that mic all the way through their growth into like big kid stuff. I made it through the not so good ones to get to the better ones. Some growing pains we had. I listened from the bottom. Now we're here. Mm. I always like to say practice makes better. Yeah. Because I don't believe in perfect. Yeah, perfect is an illusion. Hate it when I say that. Like, you mean practice makes perfect, Mr. Cole? I'm like, no, I don't. Don't put words in my mouth. You can't put those words in my mouth. (sighs) Kind of aggressive for like the first minute of the show. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, heated. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. I don't know why I said coming. You're not going. I mean, you might be going somewhere while you're listening to this, but you know what I mean. Thanks for clicking on our show to hit play. Yeah, thanks if for If this is the play. first show you're listening to and we're saying we appreciate you, you need to go back to the beginning, start with episode yeah, one. Yeah, we don't appreciate you yet. But right. when you get back up to this point, you've got to earn say that. episode 11. So if you listen all through episode 11 and didn't know what was going on and now you're here, you miss most of the story. Go back to episode Here's one. Here's the good news the action is going to be <laughs> nice and thick from here on out. Yeah. So, yeah. Girthy. Always. Girthy. Yeah, because if you just start here and you don't start from chapter one, that's like going to a doctor's office and just like somebody left a paperback and you just literally pick it up slightly past the middle open it up and start reading and they're like I don't know what's happening right now anytime Dan's dad sits down to watch a movie with us oh my god don't he never knows yeah. what's going on because he missed the beginning so just you know and he'll ask a hundred questions and say no dad just there's literally 20 minutes left in the movie I don't want to explain the entire plot mm-hmm. to you right now and then as, we have to put subtitles on as the resident fan of your parents I would like to just jump in here and defend Mr. Cole real quick and say that he wants to be engaged in a story and he wants to experience it with you so he is trying to get caught up as best he can and he wants to hear it through your lens not through the lens that's being presented to him because he likes the way you think and he likes the cut of your jib he also wants bread for a nickel a loaf of bread for one nickel do you not want bread for a nickel uh, i would i feel like we talked about this before yeah we did nickel bread we talked about being like another thought it was nickel sawdust. movies I'm pretty sure bread was brought up. I don't know. We probably recorded that months ago. I did watch a video where someone replaced um, zero, 10%, 30%, and 50% of Rice Krispie treats with sawdust to see when people could tell there was sawdust in it. It's a lot more than you'd think. (laughs) (laughs) They also made one that was 100% sawdust. That was just marshmallows and sawdust in it. (laughs) Sounds awful. It still has marshmallows. Yeah. (laughs) I'd try it. I want to know at what percentage of sawdust I would notice. Was if, it like 30 it, or 50? It or? was, yeah, like 30 you could get to safely, and people would be like, yeah, it's okay. Wow. Right, it's yeah. probably like, did you get like the off-brand right. Rice Krispies? But, yeah. yeah, the crisp rice cereal right. instead of Rice Krispies. That's really interesting. I did, I went on a whole like thing. Of putting like, sawdust in food? No, <laughs> of like avoiding things, because people, people... Food companies can include what's called cellulose Mm -hmm. as a filler product, and it's in, like, Frosties from Wendy's, but it's essentially sawdust. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be eating sawdust, but, like, it's not. It's yummy sawdust. Cellulose is the sugar that makes up cell walls of plant cells. All right, we're not. So it can come from, like, any plant. Right. And we all know that... The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. That, I did learn that, and I remember that. Mm. RNA. DNA. RNA. <laughs> Good job. That's all, that's all I got. Sorry, Mrs. Rosa. 
Sorry, Mr. Freilich. All right. So how about our, our question of the Let's show? Let's go. I'm ready. I want to start with Tim this time because I picked mm. the thing last week. No. Yes. Yes. No, because here's the deal: is I the, I the question you the question you. you asked last week, I could have answered. Boom, right away. Oh, that's true. And you went to Danny, and Danny has too many answers. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that is true. I knew that would be harder for her. Yeah. This one Shockingly. I think is a softball for you because I'm pretty sure I know your answer. Okay. What's your favorite? Uh, this theme. MCU movie. Orkonomics. Cinematic universe. Oh. <laughs> um, you think you know this one? Um. Here's the good news. Uh, it is Avengers Infinity War. All right, I didn't know that. No, uh, it was not Thor Ragnarok. Oh! Did you forget about it? I did forget because there's an Avengers Infinity War poster right there, and oh, I was like, right yeah, yeah, that yeah. seems pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> yo, yeah, Thor Ragnarok. I mean... It's got Korg. <laughs> it's got Korg. Bye, new Doug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might very well be that, or Guardians 2. I was so Ugh. happy for Thor Ragnarok because I discovered Taika Waititi as an artist because yeah. of that. And he's hilarious. He's pretty great, yeah. All right. So is that your answer, Thor Ragnarok? I don't know. Now now I'm looking at this poster of all these characters and I'm like, well, Guardians was really good. Yeah. I really liked both of the new Spider-Man movies. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ragnarok is... I'm just trying to... Really, I'm sitting here being like, all right, which ones may even be close to being better than Ragnarok? So if that's the standard I'm comparing them to, then... It's probably Ragnarok. Fair. None of the Captain America movies. None? Civil War was legit. I know you're not Civil a big War fan of the good. first one. Oh, God. Becky. All oh, right, you hate Bucky. Oh, That's I what hate it is. Bucky so much. No, what? Let's... You don't hate Bucky. No, you're right. Because she had to have a big discussion with Lily, our daughter, who was seven. We, were watching, we did, like, during quarantine time, we marathon through all of them. We still haven't finished Far From Home, which is driving me crazy. We'll but get there. Lily had started watching Avatar, The Last Airbender on Netflix, so mm. that totally derailed everything else because it's the best show ever. Tim needs to watch it. But why is it that Bucky rubs you the wrong way? Uh, it's not Bucky per se, and I know that they're coming out with a show and Bucky will be in it. And that's fine. I think the actor who plays Bucky is great. I think he's very talented. Sebastian his, Stan. I was going to say his name is Sebastian. I hate the way that Captain America loses all of his like focus and moral compass when it comes to Bucky. Oh, it's not Bucky's fault that he killed your parents, Tony. Like he doesn't understand that Tony Stark's gonna be really, 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 really mad. Wow, spoiler alert! To find out that Bucky killed his parents, like yeah. And Tony Stark has the right to be that way, but then Captain America's like, oh, I just didn't tell you because I didn't want you to be mad. It's like, no, you don't tell someone you ate the last Hot Pocket because you don't want them to be mad. You tell your friend that your other friend killed his parents back in 1991. I really just wanted to heal preach during all of that because I felt the same way, and I was like, you know? Captain America's a dick. Oh my God. All the stuff Iron Man's done for him, he's just going to do him like that? Oh, your, your other friend's back. Right. Oh, your friend. Exactly. from high school's back so now you're just gonna you know, ignore me it's, well, it's pretty harsh yeah yeah like you're gonna go on the run with Bucky oh my god not Bucky so, I hate it right oh. and and the fact that it was so instant he's yeah. immediately like no the government's bad I'll protect you Bucky don't yep. worry yep. like right. out of nowhere yeah yes I don't care he just shot that guy right the best part of all this is while we're doing this marathon anytime well since Danny explained this to Lily before we started watching Civil War because she was like, oh no, is this the one with Bucky? Bucky. And she'd always say it like that. Bucky. To the point where our almost two-year-old would walk around the house going, Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> so Lily would be, every time it was Winter Soldier on the screen, she would be like, oh, it's Bucky. Bucky. To the point where I was like, all right, you guys need to stop because I actually really <laughs> like this movie and I want to enjoy it. I'm sorry. And it was, no, it was Winter Soldier. It was when we watched the Winter Soldier, not, not Civil right, War because right. you were that was when you started yelling about Bucky because yeah. he shows up. I just feel like it all it goes very against Captain America's character and like yeah. what's ingrained in us about him in the like early stages of the it, of the and there's no stuff. build up for it. It's right. instant. Like yeah. it's no, I completely agree with yeah. it. Yeah, it did kind of force us to reevaluate Captain America because he changed how he acted so drastically right. because of that. And like and I, I want, understand I want to understand his point of view in Civil War. But then just Becky, I can't do it. I you just, just can't. can't. You just can't, I, I can't give it a chance. And like I love Iron Man, so like Tony Stark is 
This is my homeboy. All right, so we basically. know. Okay, so you know what I don't like. Soldiers are your least favorite, or the Civil War. Well, you said you still like Civil War. You just don't like. I that do like Civil War. The first Captain America movie, hands down, my least favorite. What's your favorite? You're so bad at not answering my que- You're so good at not answering my questions. Whatever. <laughs> so what's your um, favorite of the like twenty-one? I, I love movies? Captain Marvel. Mm, mm. Oh, right, right, right. You know, and like anytime you know, she's on mom, the screen, you're like, yeah. Young daughter at home, very female empowering, where she like just starts kicking butt and taking names. I love the era that it took place in, like the '90s. You know, the '90s stuff. Blockbuster. Um, yeah, a lot of Nirvana. Yeah, with the cat. And everything like oh, uh, it's a flurkin, not a cat. Okay, yeah, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show. <laughs> the movie that probably like sticks with me the most emotionally would have to be Endgame. Like I mm. cry during that movie. Ev- we've seen it so Rough. many times, and I've cri- I showed it in school. You know, we talk about you know storytelling and character development and that sort of thing. And I show a lot of Marvel movies, and that one just every time it's like. All right, guys, I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I just, like, leave my students so I don't have to watch it again. So, so to see you cry. Oh, my God. Endgame is just so sad. So, so well done. Yeah. So, I love it. But, like, if I had to say, like, definite favorite Captain Marvel. Nice. I still hesitate, but... I don't like being pinned down with it's one choice. It's hard to choice. say. This right, then, no? yeah. I, that's and why I, can, I like these questions, because it makes you take a stand. And there are strengths and weaknesses to so many of them. You know, like, I want to oh, say, like, yeah. Black Panther, because that's an awesome movie, and I love that... Well, I, I really love, and I uh, respect the MCU for not, like, objectifying and overly sexualizing the female characters. Yeah. You know, because... I mean, Black Widow got that a bit for a while, but it was never bit. too egregious. Yeah. The thing I really didn't like about Black Panther was Killmonger was such a great character. Oh my God, and Michael yeah. B. Jordan did such an amazing job playing mm-hmm. him. Fantastic. That um, I wanted Spoiler to see alert. more of him. And Right. Yeah. I, th- I thought Agreed. that was a great dynamic, yep. and he wasn't even really a villain, I yeah. guess, in, in my eyes. But For right. one of my English 12 classes, I actually, we watched that movie, and then I assigned them sides, and they had to debate, like, was Killmonger right or wrong, yeah. essentially. And they had this whole debate about, you know, disenfranchisement, and all. it was really, really well done. And a lot of people I work with gave me crap, because they're like, all you guys do is watch movies. And I'm like, but we're having, like, a real debate, and they're looking up, like, real-world issues. So As long as you can, you know. You use it right to reflect with on the real world is yeah. the whole point of entertainment yeah like and that, that was a semester where i had a lot of students who were super into like comics and mcu movies and stuff like that and so i was really trying to like appeal to that audience so you know in both of those situations iron man versus captain america and black panther versus killmonger i feel captain america was just wrong a bunch of people died there need to be repercussions mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> yep and killmonger versus black panther do we need to do your a entire continent needs help? Right. Help them. Yeah. Why are you yep. refusing yep. to do that? Yeah, right. Yes. You have the means. Mm-hmm. Great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. All right, Dan. What's your favorite MCU movie? So, before we rewatched them all for this marathon thing, it probably would have been Thor Ragnarok mm. or Infinity War, just because I put Infinity War. I say that over Endgame, just because Infinity More Infinity War is more watchable. Like Endgame is kind of heavy. And, like, it's also over three hours, and, like, after you're done with it, you're like, I just want to go eat a tub of ice cream now. Sad. Right. And, and Infinity War is not that bad. Yeah. Especially because really? what comes at. Well, because you know that they come back. I mean, Endgame, you didn't know movie. that all of Endgame, but you knew it at the end of Infinity War? <laughs> <laughs> no, watching it now. Right, fair. But... I was very specifically when Infinity War came out. They had the all of the like, do not spoil the ending for people. Like yeah. Marvel came out and all the actors came out, and the payoff for that was super worth it. Yeah, that was literally the most, I mean, most likely the most shocking experience in a movie that I had ever had. Yes, and the only reason that it could be taken away from is that you know there was another Spider-Man movie scheduled. Or you right, know that, that kind of took away from it a bit. Um, but having no idea what was going to happen in Endgame was like, what is going on? Yeah. To me, the most shocking thing was in Endgame when they kill Thanos in the first like 20 minutes. And I was like, what's the rest of the movie going to be about? <laughs> right. well, yep. And then the whole five years later, and I went, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for me, I... Um, you know what's good if... You have no 
complaints about either movie. It's just yeah. which part did you like better? You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Yeah. It's super positive. Guardians of the Galaxy. So or the Ant other man. Th- <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to cut me off. I know it. So I think Ant Man became my favorite character. God, I knew you were gonna say Ant Man. Well, really? Yeah. Just Paul Rudd is amazing, I and love he's Paul so Rudd. good as as um, Scott Lang. I think Guardians, the first one, I like the second one a lot too. But I think mm-hmm. the first Guardians movie is the one I could watch over and over again. The I mean, easiest. we we own the soundtrack and listen to it regularly. In I listen to like, part of it on the way here. Oh, I listen yeah, to Redbone on the way so here. It's so good. Just the not opening scene, but near the very beginning when Star Lord is going through the cavern to get to the orb mm-hmm. and he <laughs> the song and he's kicking the things and he grabs yeah. one, uses the microphone. Just a classic scene. I love it so much. It's so I good. love when they saw that scene from a different angle in mm-hmm. Endgame too. It was too. so yeah. well done. He's just singing the song to himself in the choir. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, this guy's so an idiot. <laughs> like, so great. I love everybody in Guardians. When I first heard who the casting Everything was fine until I heard Bradley Cooper as Rocket, and I was like, really? Bradley Cooper? Uh-huh. Yep. I think that was before I had seen Silver Linings Playbook and realized that he can act. Yeah. And it was just the guy from The Hangover. That's one like, I still really? need to see, is Silver really Linings good. Playbook. Really That's the one with um, the other lady there, too. Jennifer, Jennifer Hunger Games. Yeah. She's yeah. my best friend. So is she? Good. I mean, we would be in real life. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> each other. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. But he was so amazing as Rocket. Yeah. He was really good. Especially in both of them, really, because I think he gets more characterization in the second one. But just what they did with those movies, because I, being a huge comic nerd, when they announced Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, I don't even know these characters. Like, I've seen, I have a general idea who Star-Lord is. I've heard of Rocket Raccoon. No idea who Groot is. Mm -hmm. Drax, I knew from the Infinity Saga comics of the 90s when he was at Adam Warlock. Gamora was like, I don't know who this green chick is. And it's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love those movies. So I would say Ant-Man's my favorite character, but Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite movie. And Guardians... One, or the first Guardians movie was the one that like the press came out with it was like this is going to be Marvel's first flop yep. like they'll never make another movie again <laughs> it's not even halfway through the triumphs that they had one after another right? and yeah. it was it was they they proved that comic book movies don't have to be Batman Christopher Nolan's yes. Batman they can be fun right <laughs> like which is thank the goodness they did that Thor Ragnarok like that yeah. is one of the most fun movies and and that saved Thor for me. Like, mm-hmm. I did not care after the first two movies about him. They were okay. I was going to them because they were a Marvel movie, but they were probably always the one I was looking forward to the least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I like the first Thor. I thought the second Thor was okay. Like, it's not yeah. bad, but it's right. not. Like, we watched it again, and I was like, I wasn't super excited for it. Lily loves the Thor movies. One of my colleagues, um, his daughter... She was nine at the time, and his son was five, I want to say. And so they watched Thor Ragnarok, and it was like a weekend when his wife was like away doing something with her family, and so it was just like dad and the kids, and he's like, what movie do you guys want to watch? And he's a huge Marvel fan, too. So they watched Thor Ragnarok, and then his kids went around for weeks talking about, like, it's the devil's anus! You gotta watch out for the devil's anus! Of course, that's the one thing they picked Oh my gosh, his wife was... Yeah, his wife was not... (laughs) happy she's like dave why do they keep talking about the devil's anus it's just a marvel movie don't worry about it you know i couldn't believe our kids loved the incredible hulk which is probably the worst really our kids are also children so but like felix who's two now loves the hulk it's his favorite oh my god absolutely in love with the hulk the ed norton one yeah. The one where he's yeah. Hulk for like 13 total seconds in it? No. The, the Is it more? It's more been a long that. time since I've seen it. I hadn't seen that one in years either. It's not bad, again, but it's not one that I care to watch any again anytime soon. The right. only thing, I, I, I dismiss it really hard, but that's because the only thing I remember for it, from it is Hulk blood got in a Coca-Cola bottle. Now everyone's a Hulk or something like that. No, a Hulk, Hulk, some of his blood gets in a bottle. Like He works in a... Uh, like soda bottling plant. Yeah. yeah, some of it gets in the bottle. Stan Lee cameo. He drinks from it and dies. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> That's really, sad. which is sad. Rip. But I couldn't believe how much Lily liked that movie because, like, a yes. lot of it's slow plotting. There's big action scenes. Relatively, it was the second MCU movie, so it wasn't like huge budget stuff yet. But because it came out the fir- the same summer as Iron Man. 
So it often gets overshadowed by that anyway. Right. But I couldn't believe how much they liked it. Because yeah. most people put it at the very bottom with Thor 2. Mm. Mm. And like mm. you couldn't get it. On, there was It wasn't on any streaming service because it's always forgotten about. I happened to have it on DVD. It was the yeah. only way we could watch it. <laughs> I still, like deep down in my soul and even at the surface of my soul, I, I, I want to fight you on um, it being included in the MCU. I don't like that it's included. I mean, 100% is. There's no, Listen. no way around it. It was made by Marvel Studios. Marvel said. Kevin Feige said. And happy, happy. I can never remember the actual guy's name. Uh, directed John, the first John, John Favreau. Yeah, John Favreau said the MCU started with Iron Man. Yeah, started with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Hulk came, Hulk out, came out after. That. Not in my head. Hulk, <laughs> the movie Hulk, directed by Ang Lee, came out way before. Right. That is not part of the MCU. The Ed Norton movie. No, I know that. But the Ed Norton movie came out after Iron Man. Yeah, that you're, same summer. You're positive. Yes. We can. Ignore you can Google fact. it right now. I don't want it's to because it summer, might prove that I'm wrong. 2008. Because <laughs> Iron Man, me and Alex, who's on the Grim Podcast. Alexander P. Nelson? Alexander P. Nelson. We went to the drive-in in Potsdam, well, outside of Potsdam, to watch Iron Man. And we had a bromance geek fest. It was the best. That's really cute. <laughs> and then later that summer, I remember we went in Walton. We set up in the balcony and watch this with your brother Tyler yep, and so I think my dad went out. too it was a super bummer and what? we couldn't make out I was really oh, bummed because right, we had family that's with one us. thing Dan will never make out with me during Marvel movies well no I want to watch it we super went to important. go see the first real Marvel movie oh uh, yeah but we were like 25 minutes into this we need to actually talk about what the podcast is I about. just wanted to say that you and I went to see X-Men together and we also didn't make out that's all I wanted to say <laughs> well, you kept cutting me off before so I wanted to do it back <laughs> Petty, petty. <laughs> yeah, let's get started with uh, anyway, that's the it actual for this podcast. So right. apparently we could definitely do us. a whole series about Marvel movies because yeah. we got a lot to say. Yeah, but we do. We need to actually get to what this podcast is supposed to be about. Right, like which one is this? <laughs> Maybe I'll put a disclaimer in the beginning. Like, if you don't want to talk about Marvel movies for 20 minutes, <laughs> no. go to them 25 minutes in. Make them listen for 25 minutes. You'll enjoy it. You did enjoy it. I mean, you it will. was great. You enjoyed let's it. talk about how we're going to start it and then talk for another 25 minutes about Marvel <laughs> movies. <laughs> Uh (laughs) Chapter 12, Revelations. The remaining marauders fled after the fall of Madagaluega, presumably to find their leader. None of the van cared what the reason was. They were just glad they were gone. Bodies littered the square, both human and marauder. Blood and oil covered much of the ground. Very few of those that set out from the shanty town around Gaul had survived this far. Orthol was dead. Nearly all of his blood extracted by Madagaluega. Dasta sat next to the corpse, not allowing anyone to touch the body. Tears streamed down the man's face, but he sat in silence, staring at Orthol. Cass hung close to her father as well, clearly feeling the loss. He was distant and quiet, but he was family. I'll miss him terribly, especially how he would put Nash in his place. Cass forced a small smile, but quickly turned away. Blaney was saddened by all of this, of course. She felt awful for Cass. Blaney was more intrigued by the newcomer, the wanderer. The old man tried to comfort people, and all seemed to know who he was, or at least had heard of him. Madagadawega had called the old man Ronan the Ancient One. Blaney made sure to file that away to ask him about later, but for now she decided she would stick with the wanderer, as that's what everyone else was calling him. In the gloom of the night, Blaney saw the man talk to all the survivors around the disheveled camp. His presence raised spirits, especially due to the fact that they would have all likely be dead without his intervention. Madagaluig itself was terrifyingly strong. Lainey had no doubt that the massive bot would have killed Cass and herself without the Wanderer's help. As the old man made his rounds, Lainey watched him talk to Brutus. The Minotaur shook the man's hand and the Wanderer did something amazing. He rubbed his hands together and they began to glow. Fire sprouted between his fingers and he put one hand on Brutus' face over his deep gash. Brutus winced at the touch. His face smoked briefly. When the wanderer took his hand away, Brutus's cut was fully healed. Brutus again shook the man's hand and they both sat. The wanderer used Brutus's huge shoulder to lower himself down. Lenny walked over quickly. She had to know more. What was that? Just a bit of healing. The wanderer answered simply, as if it was no big deal. How did you do that? That was no void magic. <laughs> Sprites, no. That was a little gift from the salamanders. I used their healing fires to fix your friend's face. He fought well. Your friend Cass, I will heal her arm once I rest and get a chance. Lanny stared at the old man, incredulous. Salamanders? Sprites? Healing fire? I need to know more. 
Laney sat down slowly, staring into the steel-gray eyes of the mysterious man. The wanderer laughed again. It was a quiet, tired laugh, entirely without malice. He laughed mostly due to excitement. Inquisitive, aren't we? Laney answered with a furrowed brow. It's nice to hear people ask the old questions again. No one has cared about the sprites in hundreds of years. Is that how you can do these amazing things, like with the water and fire? It is. The sprites blessed me many years ago to use their powers. Why have I never heard of this before? Then he shifted her seat, turning to look more directly at the man. Brutus was also listening intently. This was all new to him as well. Simple. I'm the only one left with the blessings. Before Lainey or Brutus could ask any more questions, the wanderer asked a question of his own. Now before I tell you my whole life story, which might be necessary to make you understand, I have a question about your dagger. Oh, it's a family heirloom. I figured as much. Do you know where your family got it? Laney shook her head no. I saw you looking at my sword earlier. I trust you noticed the same thing I did? Laney slowly nodded this time. They're a matched set. This is your Tonto. Uh, I'm glad you know its proper name. Yes, that is my blade. I lost it a long time ago. Laney looked down at the small blade in her hands. She didn't remember taking it out, but she must have as they talked about it. She'd always felt a special connection to the weapon almost like they were similar, that they didn't belong where they were. It felt right being out of Gaul, and she could sense the same feeling from the Tonto. Lanny closed her eyes and took a deep breath. Then she gently held out the blade with open hands to the Wanderer and bowed her head. The Wanderer looked at the young girl, offering his own blade back to him. He was impressed with her decisiveness. She had hardly thought about it at all, but he could tell it was still a difficult decision for her. He closed his hands over hers. His knobby fingers seemed huge compared to Lanny's tiny hands but they did not grip the blade. The wanderer closed Lainey's fingers around the hilt, and she opened her eyes. It is your blade now. I lost it some time ago, and you will now wield it with skill and patience. I can tell it likes you, and far be it from me to upset an ancient weapon. The old man smiled through his silver beard, and Lainey couldn't help but copy that smile. Wait, this has been in my family for generations. Do you mean your family lost it? There's no way you mean you personally. I feel we have time to discuss matters like this soon. For now, we all need the rest. The sun will be rising in a few hours, and there is much to do. With that, the wanderer got up and to look for others to help. Lainey noticed he moved much slower than he did earlier. She stifled a yawn as she realized how exhausted she was. It was a deep night, and she had been up marching, running, or fighting for nearly an entire day. Lainey looked around for a place to sleep. As she peered about, she realized something horrible. Bodies were strewn about the camp, and she could not tell from here who was dead and who was merely sleeping. The reality of this world began to sink in. This was supposed to be a routine trip from one city to the next. After just a few days, most of the members of the caravan had been killed by this dangerous world. Even one of the van defenders, a practitioner of void magic that had survived out here for decades, was cut down on this trip. Lainey found her bedroll in a caravan that hadn't been burned and simply laid it on the ground and slowly lay on top. She knew sleep would come easy, but felt all the better when she realized Brutus had silently followed her over and set his own bedroll next to hers. She appreciated that her old friend knew when she needed to be by herself, at least internally, and he knew when she needed some company. She decided she would talk to him, make sure she knew how much she appreciated everything he did, maybe try to formulate a plan with who was left. Before she could roll over to thank him, though, she fell asleep. goblin shamans brought darkness to the beach. Six of them stood in a circle, their deep purple robes billowed out, creating a dark miasma around their feet, spreading in all directions. Clouds built overhead, blotting out the sun's rays. Dozens of goblins were already dead, strewn about the beach. The charge of heavy cavalry had decimated the lines of goblin infantry. The rising of the sun behind the charge forced the void spawn to the edge of the water. The numbers were still a massive advantage over the cavalry. A single goblin was not intimidating an opponent. Any human warrior worth a damn could best one without breaking a sweat, but goblins did not fight individually. There were thousands on the beach, with a few big leaders and their dread shamans. Ronan rode down another goblin. The gray-green creature spit at him as it died, a rank yellowish liquid expectorating from its foul mouth. Ronan pulled his charge to a halt, his warriors forming a quick wall around him as he surveyed the battle. Top his charger, he was able to see the beach clearly. The small goblins cowered in their heavy cloaks, desperate to keep the sun from their ruddy skin. Ronan did notice something that did not set his mind at ease. It was getting darker. Although it was dawn, the sky was blackening. 
dark clouds forming from nothing in the bright blue sky. He looked directly below the dark spot in the sky and saw exactly what he expected, a coven of goblin shamans. He pointed his white blades he pointed his white-bladed sword at the void wielders and shouted to his group of friends, Slay the shamans! They bring darkness to help their kin! A group of six human warriors atop Destriers charged once again. The loose sand on the beach was not the ideal environment for the heavy horse. With their size and armament, they were, to, they were able to cut down any goblins in their path. Before the charge could build up too much momentum, a thick knot of goblins swarmed, killing any impetus the cavalry had. The press of bodies forced the cavalry to focus on the goblins around them before they could continue to the shamans. Ronan and his small company hacked and slashed their way through the goblins. Their going was slow. The goblins managed to get lucky stabs and thrusts in with crude spears, drawing blood. Ronan was forced to stop his horse short. A huge armored goblin stood directly in front of Ronan and his steed. The void spawn was covered in blood of other humans he had already felled. He held out one hand and shouted a wordless challenge that froze the horse with fear. Ronan leapt from the saddle and strode towards the goblin, accepting the challenge of one-on-one -on -one combat. This goblin was truly huge. Walking up to him, Ronan realized that just one of the goblin's arms was as thick as his waist. His head was small with a typical bone ridge, but his jaw was massive with two extra large tusks jutting up to nearly his tiny yellow eyes. Ronan thought this might be one of the new types of goblins sighted in the flatlands, ones they were calling orcs. Sizing up this mighty goblin, Ronan knew he was outmatched in size, strength, reach, and armor. What he had was skill, speed, and his ancient weapons. More than enough. Human sense a child? I'm insulted! Krog will make you wish you never came to this beach! This is my beach, Ronan answered calmly. I'm no child. I've killed many goblins, and you will be no different. Krog will show you how different orcs are from goblins. I'm insulted again! Krog laughed as Ronan crunched, crouched into a defensive stance, holding his katana with both hands, letting the orc know he had the first move. Krog gladly accepted and dove forward, slashing down with his heavy barbed blade. Ronan sidestepped at the last moment, sliced upward, cutting a deep gash in Krog's ribs as if the armor wasn't even there. The orc howled in pain and surprised. How such a small creature could cut through his heavy armor, he had no idea. All he knew was the rage that began to overwhelm him. He would not let the human get so lucky again. Krog charged again, but in a brief moment of brilliance, feigned with his sword and brought his huge fist up to connect with the human's jaw as it parried his weak sword blow. Ronan stumbled back and was barely able to duck under another savage swing. Ronan's head was swimming. He knew he could take a few blows from the orc's fist, but most likely none from that sword. Ronan stepped forward and struck the orc again on the side, but did not cut as deep. Krog pressed his attack, his blows quickening. Ronan realized the monster was quicker than he let on at the beginning. He was being tested. He did not like that. Ronan leapt back, creating some space between the two, watching his opponent for a sign of weakness. Krog charged once more and Ronan saw his opening. He gripped the katana with both hands and lunged forward with his blade straight out. At the last moment, Ronan ducked down under Krog's clumsy slash and brought his blade up into the orc's chest. Krog impaled himself on the white blade and slumped forward onto Ronan, taking them both down. As Ronan felt his ribs being crushed under the girth of his slain opponent, he decided he was not too impressed by this monster. From under the huge body, Ronan heard the impact of the infantry charging into the lines. Had this battle with the monstrosity on top of him really taken so long? He had to get up quickly or else he would miss his opportunity to signal the final part of the plan. He rose to his feet and he realized something horrible. The shamans had completed their ritual. The darkness that crept around their feet had spread upwards and out, covering the beach, blocking the sunlight. The darkness filled the goblins with renewed courage and they doubled their efforts. Ronan knew he had to make his signal, but where was his horse? Ronan sped around the battlefield, picking off goblins as they got in his way. After a few moments, he spotted his mount, rearing and kicking up three goblins trying to get a hold of the reins. Ronan sprinted up and dispatched the goblins with ease and vaulted into the saddle. He grabbed a horn out of his saddlebags and blew three quick blasts. Instantly, the tide of the battle changed again. The surf began to bubble and froth, and goblins in the rear ranks skirted away from the water. The waves stopped coming in. The surf receded a few meters back, building up into one huge wave five meters tall. As the wall of water raced forward, shapes could be seen forming inside it. Dark humanoid figures with tails and long horns came forth from the water and burst out, Gideon leading the way. With spears held forward and the wave crashing down behind them, the Garak smashed into the rear of the goblin's line. Gideon guided his long spear directly toward the shamans, conjuring the darkness. The white blade shone even brighter in the magical darkness. They were cut down like so many blades of grass. With all their leaders dead, the goblin's courage finally broke. 
goblins were cut down in their thousands as they fled, leaderless and terrified. Those that made it past the lines of infantry were picked off by archers, hidden away in the foliage past the dunes, left there just for this purpose. Their tents were immediately set ablaze, and their belongings tossed into the flames for good measure. Human and Garrick met on the beach and shook hands and embraced. Priests and doctors soon swarmed over the beach, taking care of the wounded and beginning the rites of the dead. The islanders had won an overwhelming victory. They had completely annihilated the entire force of the goblins and kept their own losses to a minimum. So what do you think, Gideon? Ronan asked as he... As soon as he found his friend on the beach, Gideon was pulling his spear out of a goblin that lay on the ground, dead for sure now. The tall, green-scaled Garak were lizard primals, cold-blooded, but friendly. I think our plan worked. I just wish many of us did not have to die. Sasuke and Tominari walked up, both wearing new wounds that would later add to their collections of scars. Sasuke had a bloody bandage covering one eye. Are you all right, sir? Ronan asked as he put a hand on Sasuke's shoulder. Aye, I will be. One of the mongrels got lucky with a spear whilst I was fighting a big brute. I'll make it. Still, you should see one of the doctors. You never know what's on those blades. Yes, I guess I should. I didn't think of that. Sasuke agreed and turned and walked toward a nearby priest. Good show, by the way. What do you mean? Well, first your plan. Yours and Gideon's. But I was mostly talking about your skirmish with that real big one. Oh, yeah. It said it was an orc. There seem to be more of them all the time. I think he took over for the Goblin King, which worries me. I've seen him in battles before, but I've never been able to face him. Why was he not here today? Our victory would have been so much more complete if he were. I would have slain him like I did his toady. Well, that is probably true. Now is not the time for boasting, Gideon said as he stepped forward. This seems like news we should take to the mainland, provided they don't know already. Tomo, Ronan turned to his remaining warrior. Head back to the city as fast as you can. Take my horse if you need to, and prepare a message for the mainland. Address it to General Hector of Gol. He leads the resistance on the mainland and can make best use of our information. Yes, sir. Tominari gave a quick bow and ran off for the nearest horse. With that, Ronan and Gideon set back to the gruesome task of cleaning up the beach. Lainey awoke the next morning from Cass gently waking her with two hands, her arm newly healed. Hey, time to wake up, sleepy. We've got to move. Dal wants to get away from this place. Cass waited until she saw Lainey's eyes open before she walked away. Without looking around, Lainey smelled what had happened after she fell asleep. The air was full of smoke and a strangely aromatic scent of burning flesh. In the late hours of the night, the survivors had piled all the dead into a mound and burnt them, saying their last words. Lainey's heart sank as she realized she missed helping. Brutus was no longer next to her. She presumed he had gotten up to help. He couldn't resist helping, especially after the Renrek attack. Lenny collected her things together and slung a pack over her shoulders. She glanced around in the morning light and saw that the campsite was a disaster. Broken marauders were everywhere, pieces of them at least. The broken and burned out caravans had been tossed into the pyre with the bodies of those that didn't make it through the night. Lenny quickly counted only about a dozen people left. Whole families were gone, never to make it to Frank. Dasta could be heard shouting orders not far away. The camp was full of smoke and the early mid-morning sun shone bright through a cloudless sky. For the first time, Lanny could see the ruins properly. The gray stone remains were covered in mosses and other green plants. Some parts were covered heavily in soil. The actual buildings nearly returned back to the earth. The place was full of history, Lanny knew, but had no idea what the history might entail. This could have been a site of great city of old, or a lively market town. Lanny would never know, but she understood that this was now the site of another major event, the site of death. Dasta was shouting louder and sounded angry. Lenny looked over and saw he was shouting at someone or something. Lenny's eyes widened as she moved towards the commotion. Hey, who are you? Desta pulled a sword out and strode towards three figures entering the ruins from the west. Hope you don't want anything. We aren't traitors. We don't want any trouble. We're just leaving. The three kept walking closer and Desta took a step back. Okay, just stop there. The three figures were followed by a dark cloud of motes and smoke. Their heads were encircled by some kind of tentacles. They wore black and deep violet armor and terrifying bestial death masks. Lainey crouched behind a piece of men here she was studying, surveying the situation, ready to leap into action if needed. The leading figure said nothing but raised a hand and a tendril of violet energy erupted out of his palm, spearing through Dasta, flinging his body backwards. Lainey saw his eyes lose a spark of life, his face contorted into a final mask of fear. The mongers kept walking towards the survivors, ignoring Dasta's body slumping to the ground. 
Chaos erupted from the remains of the camp. The survivors couldn't believe they were under attack again. Seeing Dasa taken down so easily shook everyone to their core. Dasa had been their leader, their rock, for years. Seeing him killed so casually broke something in Nash's mind. The small bat primal screeched and flapped his wings hard, carrying quickly to the mongers. The hunched one, Garl, barred its fangs and leapt, catching Nash midair, crashing them both to the ground. Dart followed Nash closely, swinging her greatsword in mighty arcs while shouting a war cry of hate. The tallest monger, Rashak, stepped forward, drawing a greatsword of his own from nowhere. The sword was black as night and wreathed in otherworldly violet flames. It appeared to flicker in and out of existence while the monger held it. Dart crashed into the creature and their swords met, but only for a moment. Dart's mighty swing was stopped by the monger's dark blade, but then the violet sword continued its pass through Dart's sword, cleaving into the warrior's shoulder. Dart cried out in agony. Nash was faring no better. Garl bore the bat primals to the ground hard enough to break one of his wings. Garl was much heavier than Nash, its bulging muscles and the chains wrapped around its otherwise exposed torso gave Nash no chance of getting up. The little primal did not hesitate. Through tears of anger and fear, Nash clawed at Garl, gouging deep cuts into the creature's shoulders. Nash bit at Garl, sinking his long fangs into the neck of the beast. Garl howled and tore himself away from Nash, then returned the bite, nearly severing Nash's head from his shoulders. Dart saw her old friend die and redoubled her attack. Lainey, Cass, and Brutus tried to make their way over to help, but the third monger, the one wearing dark violet robes that had killed Dasta, was keeping them at bay with more of the dread violet energy tentacles. Anything they touched was scorched and burned in horrific ways, leaving behind awful smells of cooked flesh and burnt rock. From around the feet of the robe monger, more of the dark smoke filled with motes spread out. It seemed to coalesce from under his robes, billowing out further and further. Dart staggered backwards, choking on the motes. The tall monger took advantage and lunged forward, spearing Dart through the chest with his dark sword. Luckily for her, the end came quick, and she slowly fell to the ground. Lainey vaguely heard Cass cry out the death of the last of her friends. In the chaos, she saw Cass leap out from behind their protection and sprint towards the mongers. Lainey followed without hesitation. Brutus shook his head and was right behind. The robe monger saw them immediately and shot both hands out towards them, violet fire leaping from his fingertips. The flames leapt towards the trio, forcing Cass and Brutus to halt. Lainey kept running. The flames seemed to flow around her. She did not feel the heat of the void flames or the cold they were pumping out at the same time. Lainey was lost in her surroundings. Lainey ran towards the source of pain and terror she could practically feel coming off her friends. Although she was not afraid, Lainey was never afraid. She was sick with guilt. She knew the mongers were after her. Why else would they be here? She had just started making friends with these people. Even Nash, the funny little primal, was growing on her. She wanted to get to know him better. Now she would never have that chance. Lainey saw the flames lick around her, none getting close enough to hurt. What was happening? Why am I not toasted? She thought. She saw the Tonto in her hand held out in front of her. Its blade was growing brilliantly white. The Tonto forced back the violet flames of the monger, allowing Lainey to advance unharmed. Suddenly, the violet flames are nowhere near her, their reach spreading out far to the sides. The Wanderer, Ronan, was by her side, with his own weapon out in front of him. His blade was the same radiant white, but roaring with orange flames surrounding it, driving back the monger's void magic. Keep going! Ronan said to her, and the two stalked forwards. It wasn't like walking through the air. The fighting magics had their own forces spreading out in all directions. Lainey was sweating with exertion, pushing her way through the monger's flames. She couldn't see anything in front of her but flickering violet, black, and white. The void fire was taking up all of her senses, other than where Ronan stood beside her. Lainey stumbled forwards with a shock as the flames abruptly quit. Lucky for her, she did. As soon as the violet fires went out, the black blade of the tallest monger swept across where her head just was. She kept up her momentum of her stumble and turned it into a roll, trying to get even closer to the road monger. Unfortunately, Garl was now between her and it. The bestial monger was covered in Nash's bright red blood. Lainey felt the sadness and guilt spring up again, but she quickly pushed them back down. Now is not the time for those feelings. She would have plenty of time to feel guilty later, she hoped. Ronan stood between Lainey and the tallest monger. His white blade seemed eager to match up against the monger's void blade. Lainey knew she was safe from that side, but she wasn't sure what to do about Garl. The monger was easily a hundred pounds bigger than her, almost certainly more. Her tanta was a great weapon, but she didn't think this thing would even feel its bite. There were scratches and bites along its exposed chest and arms, but for all she could tell, the monger didn't even notice them. The robed monger finally spoke during this brief armistice. Come with us, Miss Jahirin. Your parents are eager to see you again. I have instructed Garl not to eat you but I can't guarantee the same protection for your friends here. 
I don't know what is going on here, but there's no way in the void I'm going anywhere with you. Shared Brutus grunt his own affirmation, and Cass followed up with the defiant. Yeah! But Lainey did not feel as confident as she sounded. She felt the monger was hiding something. So be it. Rashak? Garl? The mongers all attacked at once. Rashak, the taller monger, sliced his void blade at Ronan, their weapons meeting with a hard clang. Garl leapt, drooling at Lanny, but Brutus got in the way, catching the leap. Cass and Lanny headed towards the leader, Lanny holding her tanto out in front to ward off any void magics. Ronan faced off against Rashak, wondering what this thing was. In all his time fighting against the void, he had never seen a fearmonger. Ronan never entered the cities, where the peacekeepers stayed. Rashak, Garl, and the leader were new foes to him. Ronan was not a fan of surprises. At his age, nothing should be a surprise anymore. Rashak was also terribly skilled with his demon blade. The black and violet sword slashed through the air, leaving tiny thunderclaps behind where the sword even obliterated the air. Luckily, Ronan's blade was more than its equal. The ancient sword met the void blade again and again. Ronan could tell that Rashak was getting frustrated that his trick that injured Dart earlier was not working against this opponent. Ronan took stock of the situation. He was faring relatively well against Rashak. Brutus was fighting Garl, but the monger seemed to have the upper hand there. While Brutus was amazingly strong and well-trained, the thing he was fighting was stronger and had frenzied ferocity, long claws and teeth on his side. Ronan was unsure of the chances Cass and Leigh had against the leader. Ronan knew what he must do. He never got in a fight he didn't know he was going to win. There were too many uncertainties in this one to stay. Form up on me! Brutus immediately threw Garl to the ground with a grunt of effort and retreated back towards Ronan. Cass and Laney hesitated, not, ta- not used to taking orders. Now! Ronan barely dodged the swipe of Rashak's blade as he glanced at the young women. Cass and Laney started back towards Ronan. Laney kept her tanto held between them and the leader, who stood watching them, his expression impossible to tell behind his bestial mask. Ronan took a deep breath and exhaled mightily, shoving Rashak back towards the other mongers with a blast of wind. Rashak crashed into Garl as the muscular monger was just regaining its feet. The leader stepped towards his two associates, gathering void energy in his hands. Get ready to run! Brutus, I'll need your help. Whatever you need. Ronan quickly stepped in front of everyone and stomped his feet into the ground, twisted his ankles back and forth, forcing his feet down into the stone to his ankles. Once they're taken care of, we need to head north. I'll tell you more when I've awoken. Awoken? Lanny started to ask, but she was cut short by the sounds of an earthquake. The ground beneath their feet shook with astounding violence. Ruined walls near them shook, and great men here crashed to the ground, nearly collapsing all that was left. The quake seemed to be strongest around the mongers. The three of them could not keep their footing and kept falling to the ground. At least they can't fly. Lenny looked at the old man. Did he just make a joke? He moved his arms in a precise, jittery motions. Lenny noticed the quake seemed to throb in time with his movements. What can't this guy control? Finally, Ronan brought his hands together after a swirling motion and pushed them both down towards the ground. Meters away, the earth fell from under the feet of the mongers, casting them into a deep pit. The ground surrounding Ronan's feet softened, and the old man crumpled, utterly spent. Brutus swept him up in his arms deftly, and the three headed north, away from the ruins without a second glance. water of the river lapped against the soft, loamy soil of the bank. The trees and grasses grew thick and heavy here, growth fueled by plenty of water. The bank was steep. Small animals scurried away from the edge of the river as a strange sound filled the area. A metal claw grasped at the bank, digging deep into the sand. A horrific metal monstrosity hauled itself out of the water. Water gurgled out of the joints and spaces between metal plates. The river was brackish around the marauder as its grease, oil, and blood seeped out into the once clear waters. Matagalawega climbed out of the water, smashing saplings out of its way as it tried to get all the water out of its metal body. Matagalawega scanned the area, sensing there were six more of its kind within a kilometer radius, sent in a signal to summon them to its location. The massive robot stood still, allowing water to drain from its body, thought about what to do next. It would take some time to figure out where it was. The river had shorted out its systems for an unknown amount of time while it was pulled by the strength of the water. That damned Ronan had ambushed Madagalawega with its sorceries. Madagalawega swore it would see the death of that human and drink its blood if it was the last thing it ever did. Blood. The blood of that small girl smelled like nothing I've ever encountered, even better than Ronan's. After I drain that wretched old man, I will taste the blood of young Lanny. Six bots appeared from the undergrowth surrounding Madagalawega. They waited for orders. Their metal bodies felt no fatigue after the search of the last hours of the night and morning. We will head north. Try to find those ruins again. 
There we will find where Ronan and his people went. I will taste his blood. You are all that remains. The strongest survive. You are all captains now. We will purge this region of humans and only marauders will remain. The other bots cheered from their speakers, but even Madagalawega could tell they did not feel the way it did. The loss was a heavy one. Since they started being harried by Ronan, they had lost more than two-thirds of their number. If they ran into another scrap, they would likely be destroyed. Madagalawega needed something to convince them that it was still worth following. When we find the Ancient One, we will all share in the drinking of his blood. He will empower us like nothing has before. And he now has a weakness. He seems to care for those young humans. Madagalawega looked around and saw that its warriors were listening intently now. Tasting the blood of the Ancient One would be a singular experience for any of them. Madagalawega had them now. We get those female humans. We get Ronin. The other bots nodded and began moving north. Madagalawega knew it had to think of something before they reached the Wanderer, or else they would all be destroyed by that blade he wielded. Madagalawega knew it would find something by then. Ideas were already forming. So, thanks for having me. I guess it was cool. Now all my characters are dead. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I mean, Dasta and Nash and uh, even ones that weren't me. Dart and just dead gummit. <laughs> dead gummit indeed. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough chapter. And Krog. <laughs> I mean. Why you gotta do Krog so why dirty Why you gotta like do Krog that? so dirty? <laughs> Oh, it's like every Why? orc we come across dies. <laughs> it's not wow. nice. It's not wow. a nice thing. I'm just saying that's just how it's happened. It seems like it. Yo, poor Nash, man. That sucks. <sighs> right? I, like, dang. I oh. didn't like that. And Dasta, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and a lot man. of people. Yeah. Pretty much most of them. It'll be really interesting to see how Cass, like copes with this because that's like everyone who's literally ever everyone she's yeah, yeah. her wow. entire family like just, oh hey my mom died having me and these are all i've got oh shoot and, <laughs> and then they're gone and they die in such brutal ways oh, too yeah. like nash gets basically his almost decapitated yeah near capitated nearly headless nash semi-capitated yeah garl just bites his neck almost all the way through oh, yeah dark gets Fudge run nuggets. through by the Void Blade. Yeah. Rashak, that guy's nasty. So that goes through, like, physical material? It can. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so it, like, flickers in and out of existence. Like, okay. if it, it's it's a Void Blade. He draws it from the Void. So it's basically just, like, Void energy. Kind of like uh, the Darksaber in Star Wars. It's kind of how I imagine it looks like, instead of being surrounded by white, it's surrounded by purple. I don't That's know. Cool. I don't know what the Darksaber is. That's too bad. You haven't watched Rebels or The Mandalorian? I've watched The Mandalorian. Oh, that thing that's in, like, literally the last three seconds yeah. of season one? it's called the Dark Saber. It's a single saber, or, like, that's just one? There's only one of them? At that point in time, yeah. Oh. There might be more, like, in the past in the Star Wars universe. Gotcha. But we don't know too much about that. Oh, okay. That. Uh, but, yeah, so the, the Void Blade, it's, like, it's kind of like he summons a piece of the Void in his hand, so, like, it can pass through things um, in this realm that was really cool like the whole idea of it like flickering in and out and just seeing that void magic used in a different way and like a more nefarious way it was really interesting although it was tragic and you're heartless yeah yeah you don't have a heart that's very really true don't. it's clear <laughs> it's clear to everyone who's witnessing this i don't know what you're talking about i can't help what happened in laney's world <laughs> it was an unfortunate thing you wrote it <laughs> Just erase a bunch of parts and then put in different parts. It's really unfortunate that this book is published because there's a lot of things that need to be changed. And it's mostly around, <laughs> mostly orc based. You know what? <laughs> Fan fiction, man. Yeah. Let's, let's just redo it. Everybody lives happily ever after. The dude goes to stab Dart with the void sword and then it flickers out of existence. And when it comes back, it's like through his body instead. Whoops. Or it's like a really big salami, and they cut it up yeah. and they eat it with crackers. And cheese. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Void cheese. Yeah, void cheese. a way different story than I am. Come and get this your void cheese. This story deals with loss and recovering from that. I mean, Not yeah, you recover with loss. So who is left? And void cheese. Is it literally just Brutus, Lenny, Cass, and Ronan? When Lenny woke up, she said she saw about a dozen other people. How many were Three there Three more have died. So there are like nine other people left. But they weren't like fighters. Yeah, they're like Jory handle handler number four. Yeah, right. other people that were that were traveling from one city to another to trade goods. 
basically. Now, so what what was what happened to the Marauders there? The ex Marauders are they all Dunzo? The Mongers? The Mongers. So Sorry. Ronan made a big pit, and like swallowed. Like they're gone. Like so he, the last of his energy, because you know using the blessings from the sprites takes energy, yeah, willpowers. As you use it, you get tired essentially it's exhausting so he was a the last bit of energy he had he just made a pit so they fell down into this pit he wasn't able to like close it up on okay like that so they're still out there they're still down in this pit gotcha and they ran brutus grabbed ronan picked him up like a baby and they just booked it ronan's kind of a badass yeah i like I mean, him a lot a bad butt i meant to bad. say <laughs> Well, I was He's talking, a nasty behind. <laughs> yeah. We were talking the other day about... Um, He's a heinous anus. <laughs> <laughs> about like what uh, what writers call the comps, things to compare it to. Yeah. We're trying to tell people. So like, I always you know, talk about how it's very similar to like Avatar The Last Airbender. As we're seeing now, it, if I right. said that early in the story, it probably wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Now it does with somebody that can control elements mm-hmm. and I was trying to forever I was like what is the other one and then Danny was finding like well Samurai Jack obviously and I was like how did I forget that Ronan is very clearly heavily influenced by Samurai Jack yes you gotta get back back to the past Samurai Jack I loved Aku's voice in that show oh yeah Aku incidentally Aku was voiced by Mako who was also Uncle Iroh on Avatar The Last Airbender yeah okay yep I keep seeing people wanting to write in Master Iroh as a write-in candidate for the presidential election. He would be yes. a fantastic. I would so vote wise. for him hands down. He's great. Everybody just have some tea, calm down. And uh, then yeah. in the sequel series, The Legend of Korra, there's a character named Mako who was named that in honor of the voice actor. In Mako. Yeah. Oh, the voice actor Denzo? He died at the end of when they were creating season two of avatar oh wow that's um, awful so like the last couple episodes they had a different voice and then season three luckily he wasn't in it too much in season three the the replacement voice is pretty good but it's obviously somebody different yeah, it's too shame. bad that's a shame yeah there's a super sad part in one of the episodes in season two where at the the end of a story about iroh it says in memory of mako and it's like oh <laughs> because it's super emotional too yeah, yeah. just the 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 story of that episode. You need to watch the show. Um, I, I le- le- legitimately have nothing against it. It's just... Just haven't gotten around to there's it. There's so many other things I need to do. Like, instead of those three hours of sleep a night you get, you could be watching there. <laughs> yeah, I could crush it in, like, just yeah. ten I, days of not sleeping yeah, or whatever. Right. There you go. I got really You wouldn't lucky. die from that, right? I don't think so. No one would kill you. <laughs> just something make else me stronger. because you wouldn't be able to think right. Right. I got lucky with Avatar. I happened to catch Danny's younger brothers, 11 years younger, was watching it one afternoon after school when we were, like, in high school. Or no, I guess it wasn't high school. I think I was in college at the time. And I was like, this show looks kind of cool. This animation's nice. And then I sat down and watched part of it with him, and I was like, this is good. And then it was like, when is this show on? And, like, I tried to catch it, and then it was like, well, I got to start over. This is great. And then it was just, I was hooked. I remember you telling me the story of, watching the like finale finale mm. and uh the gym that we used to go to in walton <laughs> had like all their uh cardio equipment had tvs on it so like you could yeah. literally go and spend like an hour on the elliptical and just watch tv it was awesome and so dan like sprinted over there to be able to catch it, it was like at eight o'clock right wasn't it on yeah, eight? I think, yeah so like you finished watching finale. like yeah you finished watching an episode and then you had to like book no it no to i the started gym. watching it there my my plan was well might as well work out or what you know get some exercise while i'm doing this so i'll go on the treadmill and watch the finale because it'll probably be like an hour yeah i bet it'll be a two-parter it's a three-parter or more yeah i forget exactly how long it is lily just watched it but I didn't watch that part with her. And I was on the treadmill for over an hour and a half because I was yeah. like, I can't. Like, it'll take me like five minutes to, to get home. Yeah, you're going to miss probably something. Probably not even. Yeah. I, probably, I was like, I was too scared to miss something. It just kept going. And I was like, there's, this is, so, and it was so good. It's, it's, so it's, Dan's just walking on the treadmill yeah. for an hour watching and a half Avatar. watching this cartoon. But it was so worth it because it's, it's generally considered one of the best finales of any <clears throat> series. Like, yeah. they actually did it well. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't even talk. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's watched it that didn't like the finale and didn't like what they did. It's just amazing. I have a similar story. Uh, when I was going to the gym to uh, walk on the treadmill, I always had to make sure I was there by one fifty-five. 
because uh, Judge Judy would come on at two. Oh, no. Heck yes. Uh, and I would watch Judge Judy. Uh-huh. And if you weren't there a couple minutes beforehand, there were other people that also worked out at two, and you might not get the TV that was playing Judge Judy. I'd have to watch, you know, <laughs> like Time Warner Cable. No, not even good stuff. Time Warner <gasps> Cable News. Or like. Why? Yeah, or the Ugh. Weather Channel. Who watch, Who wants to watch the Weather Channel while they're working out? Right. I right. get like you want to check in for the fifteen, you know, the weather on the fifteens or whatever. Yeah. But like for forty five seconds. Were there like weird jazzy music? Right. Like, no, not about that life. Mm-mm. So Madagalawaga, not dead. Nope. For one of our Patreon vlogs, I really just want to do a video of my face <laughs> when I so that I can pronounce Madagalawaga <laughs> correctly. It is. Oh. It is a difficult thing to say i yeah. like how it flows mm-hmm. even though it's a weird word um, like the blood into their mouths yeah um, nom, 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 nom. how like how it ate orthel's blood yeah. all of it just big capri sun big capri sun, capri sun. <laughs> oh poor orthel poor um, all of them yeah <laughs> yeah so this is a, a brutal chapter but i it, it's super important yeah. obviously yeah for the plot just imagining the movie of lonnie the girl without fear and you're like 45 minutes to an hour in, and then literally everybody dies. All the support, except for that we now have is the main four. Right. That continue on. But yeah, it's, and it's, uh, I want it to be kind of brutal. The whole point is to show that they weren't lying about the wilds being a deadly place this whole time. Yeah. Like it is terrifying when, and super deadly. And you have to appreciate that. You know what I mean? Just in general, in a fantasy book, it's always like, ah, eh, the wilds are dangerous. No, they're like legitimately dangerous. Yeah. You're going to die out there, most likely. Mm-hmm. And when they're talking in one of the earlier chapters, too, it's like, oh, well, we're not all going to make it. Like, hopefully most of us do. It certainly just seems, like, once again, like a regular, yeah, yeah, it's probably dangerous out there. Oh, okay. There's robots or mongers or, you know, all Red, red racks. Yeah. And I'm sure that's just like one of, you know, a whole bunch of just <laughs> random stuff that's out there that eats people. Right? So, your yeah, Renrex are just. There's bee the primals, centipede primals. <laughs> With tiny khakis yeah. running around, <laughs> climbing up a pant leg. To be fair, the mongers don't usually leave the city. That's right. something totally new out here. Even Ronan hadn't seen them before. Yeah. How it's, did you feel about the revelations of this ep- of this chapter, Tim? Um, I'm still mourning. What, what were the revelations? <laughs> <laughs> Lanny's talking with Ronan. Oh, yeah, so. I mean, we don't know everything yet, obviously. No. But he's um, old. But I, I want to know what the deal is. I still want to... All the questions I had before have not been answered. Where did she get it? How did it get to her family? Did he lose it in Krog's foot? Is that, like, literally, like, that was the last time you saw it? Was in Krog's well, okay, so toe? I will tell... So we had another flashback this uh, this issue. Issue. This episode. This chapter. That's the word. That's the thing. <laughs> this flashback actually takes place before the other pl- flashback. Gotcha. Ronan's even younger here. Okay. So. He didn't have, like, his whole... It was just him and Gideon. It's before he, like, gets with all those other people. Okay. Where was Gideon during the other flashback? He was mentioned, but he was just fighting the other Oh, orcs. that's right. Yeah. Okay. Part of that history that will get revealed more as it goes. It's not totally... You don't learn everything in this book. Right. Uh, more of it will be, you know, sprinkled in. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see where they end up next. They're headed north, right? Yeah. So Ron said 13. head north after I do this. Because he's out. And Dasta got his way. You know what I mean? Brutus and them are no longer with the caravan. Yep. That's entirely true. And they didn't the make caravan. it all the way to Frank. They were going east. Now they're going north. And yep. it's like, wait. Well, Poor Dasta. I was not expecting that. Mm. Poor guy. I hope it's a poor, good poor everybody. blind side. And it's just, to me, I I hope that it comes across like cinematic. That's how, you know, in my head I see it playing like a movie as I read it or as I'm writing it. And just that monger just raising his hand and then just this like d- dark purple energy tentacle just stabs through Dasta. Yeah. And just lifts him up off his feet and then it just like goes back and Dasta just falls and he's just dead. Yeah. Well, no chance. I I mean, you probably noticed uh, you were cueing me at one point to turn the thing down a little bit and I was kind of like locked into the combat that was happening that's good yeah it makes me happy it's a good time so yeah we got a lot of people dead unfortunately yeah. if you were into the the characters based on my old D group sorry <laughs> <laughs> they, Yikes. they went down hard 
Nash was my my the saddest one for me because that was my character. Yeah, was Nash. So him dying in a gruesome way like that, mm-hmm. and he just had no chance. So he went up against Garl. You know, he was just like in a. Rage. He got a hit in at least. Yeah. He did scratch him a bit, and he bit him. Yeah. Garl didn't like that, but he he didn't bite as hard as Garl did. Too bad. Yeah. It is sad. Bump bump. See if you need to check in to see what happens next in chapter thirteen. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Big thanks to our friends down at Choky Chicken. If you mention this podcast, Big Fiction Energy, they'll give you ten percent off a fried chicken leg. That had been up Heifer's nose. All right. Rock on Moscow. Rock over Berlin. The snack that smiles back Dropbox. so much for listening why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the professional casual network has to offer including season one of the space between presents i saw a tiger which follows the netflix smash series tiger king and details the acid washed antics of joe exotic carol baskin jeff lowe as well as others this season we're taking a deep dark dive into the four-part netflix docuseries jeffrey epstein filthy rich a grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM, as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown, with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things.